Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello and welcome to episode six Season four of this spiritual fix. Today we are revisiting internal family systems and where we've come with it. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hey, Christina. Hi, Anna. Hey, Chris. Before we start this episode, I'm first of all glad we're recording in person. Yes. And I want to let our listeners know that my children are pitter-pattering across the ceiling because we're in the basement. So if you hear that sound... Sorry. <laughs> That's life. That is life. That is some sort of life. Hashtag mom life. Well, speaking of life, I wanted to ask you, do you and your husband have a list of things that annoy each other? Because I got really annoyed at my husband the other day for doing this thing that drives me fucking bonkers. There's like four things that drive me bonkers. And he does one of them all the time. And he's like, you have this this huge list of things that you can't stand. And I'm like, oh, well, you have a list too. And I like read off his list and he's like, oh yeah, I do. So I just thought it was kind of funny. Like, what are the things that drive you bonkers and why do you know why? And like, what are they? Cause it's kind of funny. What, what is the one that, yeah. the one that I can't stand is I'll say something and I haven't yet figured out what is the fucking trigger word, but I'll say something. And then my husband will launch into this Paul Simon's song called 50 ways to leave your lover. So I'll say something. I don't know what, and he'll go, you just live out the back, Jack. You don't need a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be Coy Roy. Hop on the bus, Gus. And it's just like, he does the whole fucking chorus and it drives me bonkers. My other one, which I didn't even know existed. Actually, there's two. I didn't know existed until I moved to the South, which is when grown men say, I'm going to use the little boy's room, or when a grown man references his stomach as his tummy. Now, if a boy, an adolescent, or a child calls, calls their abdomen a tummy, I'm fine with it. It's when any man who has gone through puberty and older references their stomach as a tummy or references going to the bathroom as the little boy's room, it drives me fucking bonkers. To me, it's completely emasculating and it just gross to me. Like, it's just gross. So that totally just triggered one of mine, which I don't think I've ever actually told my husband. So, but this is just like, it's one of those things that's always bothered me. I've never like said it was like a bad thing. 
but when he like refers to the kid's poop as shit because it feels so harsh. Oh. And for me, like if I were to think of my kid's poop as shit, then I, it, I feel like it would be like, I feel like it gives him power when he says that. Like, he's just like, this is just shit. You, there's shit on things. And I'm just like, and I'm like, oh, oh, like my it's body just, just baby like, poop. yeah, it's just baby poop. It's poopy. <laughs> it's poopy. And when it's poopy, it's better than when it's shit. <laughs> like, That's funny. What, what, do you have any words that you can't stand? A panty. <laughs> mostly just because it has like a wisp of pedophilia I'm not gonna lie really? like yeah to me I don't know what it is like I don't know maybe maybe I had something I'm not the only one who has this I know there are other people who have this that I've known so maybe it is associated with some sort of pop culture thing or maybe like I don't know whereas <laughs> I just don't like to be controlled in general so like if like I do annoying ass shit. Like, like Luke is like one of the things about that he has is, um, is that I don't put the tops on anything because I'm just, that's just too like, much trouble. Like I don't put the caps back. So like I'll put the laundry detergent back, well, but I won't have screwed on the top. Right. Or I'll put the, like the milk or the orange juice back, but I won't have done it. And so if anyone grabs it from the top, <laughs> then it annoying. just, it's so annoying. I know it's so annoying. I fully <laughs> have culpability, but I'm like, that is just so fucking too time consuming. You but know? then you're making, you're making someone else pay the price of your time. Well, but the probability of them actually picking it up from the is cap. one and two. <laughs> Yes, I admit it's really fucking annoying. Um, yeah. So like, I think that anything that's in my control, I would accommodate unless it's something that like feels like a massive, like, like I, I was going to say a trigger, but like if, if, if it just feels like having to tiptoe through someone else's minefield, right? Like we've talked about this before when it comes to on TikTok, when it came to rejection sensitive dysphoria and like if, if you are with another person and they literally have a minefield of triggers whether it's physical things, emotional things, words, whatever it is, it's like you have to make the decision that you are willing to navigate that minefield. And I think that, that the exchange is that that person has to recognize that they have the minefield and if they can disarm some of the minds, right? Like that's yeah. the work, right? So if someone's I've just disarmed like, my tummy thing as much as I can. Yeah. 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 That's good. So, but one of the things I thought was really interesting was we just recently talked about polyvagal theory and dysregulation. Oh, in Jay Fields episode 4.04. Yeah. And I think that it is generally true. What were you saying about being dysregulated about how, when you're dysregulated, like you literally can't trust your feelings about anything. Oh, you, Cause you text me. You're like, have I ever even loved so-and-so? And it wasn't Luke by the way, but you were like, have I ever even loved so-and-so? And I was like, you're dysregulated. I don't know if you love anyone when you're dysregulated. <laughs> and I don't know if your feelings when you're dysregulated are accurate representations of your feelings. Yeah. And that's what I've noticed is that like, since recognizing my state of dysregulation, like my, my outbursts have gone down dramatically in any way, shape or form, because I'm just like, Oh, I'm dysregulated. Right. Because it's always when something like unsafe is happening that I always, that's the only time I usually only get angry and I get angry about something completely different than the actual thing itself. And I'm like, Oh, okay, that works. And then going on further from that to kind of segue into what we're talking about, we're talking about IFS as a follow-up today that with it, when it comes to dysregulation, I'm almost convinced that like when we're dysregulated, the self completely stops leading. 
if there, if, if you were able to unblend your parts, right. And we'll get into this in a second, but if you're able to unblend your parts and yourself is actually leading a lot of the time when you're dysregulated, it's 100% a part led game. Like your parts are just running the show. They're in the driver's seat and you don't know what's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> so today what we wanted to do was, if you remember episode 20 of season three, Christina discussed internal family systems. Mm-hmm. She introduced the whole concept and the whole philosophy and the how to do it therapy stuff was, was then in a bonus episode right after. And I was totally new to it. So she was basically, as you were learning about it in that episode, so was I. Like, I was totally a, a virgin to IFS. And since that episode aired, I have been practicing it. And I have seen it work amazing wonders. And I told Christina, like, look, we need to have a sequel to that episode because I actually understand it more. And I feel like we need to let our listeners know with like more of an exclamation point, how important and how great and how amazing this work is. And I also wanted to kind of give my how to's Yeah, because I was actually talking to your brother-in-law, Phil on the phone today. And we were talking about IFS and he was like, so how are you going about doing it? And I told him like my system, he's like, wait, what, 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 you know? And I thought, wow, I think he's like, wait, where did you learn how to do it like that? And I was like, well, I just made that part up. And he's like, I think that my spin on it is going to help someone. And I think your spin on, on it are, is going to help someone because we both found a way to kind of put a spin on it yeah, to just make it really, really optimal. Like I'm all about optimizing and hacking these self-help tools. So that's what this episode really is about is like, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, maybe just pause this one, go back and listen to IFS episode 320. And if you have listened to it, Chris, would you give like a quick little overview of what IFS is so yeah. that we can go forward on the episode and explain stuff? Yep, absolutely. So just a quick overview of IFS, internal family systems. We've actually, I've actually learned since that episode that internal family systems is, was not actually the original parts therapy that existed. And it was Dr. Richard Schwartz, who was the one who actually basically codified internal family systems, but there have been parts, there has been part parts work for a very, very long time in therapy, but we are obviously going down the internal family systems. And obviously we are creating derivatives of our own based on our own practice as we've integrated that into what we're doing. So Dr. Richard Schwartz's book that he talks about is called No Bad Parts, because it's basically the idea that we are a constellation, you could say, or a solar system in which um, at the heart of it is our self. And then we have all these different parts and these parts are, have different roles in our life. And those parts are made up of protectors and exiles and protectors has two subgroups. One is manager, which is the type of basically the manager is there to, uh, is a preventer right? They're, they're there from, from, for managing the world and preventing things from happening. And the firefighter is there to put out the fire once the something has happened. Basically, the protectors are basically in their own little, you know, moon or solar system. The protectors are protecting the exile. And the exile is usually an inner child of ours that, or it could be a former protector or something along those lines that is hurt which is why it has protectors. So basically the protectors oftentimes will be so surrounded. They'll be so kind of into the exile that they won't even know that the self exists, right? Like that kind of higher self, whatever you want to call it, that kind of central sun 
exists because they're so focused on the exile that they don't even know what age you are now. They don't know anything. They're just like, my job is to protect seven-year-old Anna from being embarrassed by blah, 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 blah. Right. And so the reason the book is called No Bad Parts is because when you start to break down your psyche into these different parts, what you start to recognize is that we've hired all of these parts to do their job and we can, we can allow them to resign, which they usually want to do. And by doing that, what happens is that you actually in the, in real life, you will have this massive, in my experience, you can see dramatic behavior shifts when you start to actually unblend all these parts from the self and become what's called a self-led person as opposed to a part-led person. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you talked about in that episode is basically you come up with some sort of paradise where you take the exile to, where they either get a new job or no job at all, or you give them what it is that they're seeking. Like seven-year-old Anna might really want this teddy bear she lost. I'm making this up, you know? And then you take, you just imagine taking them to this place, this special place in your own mind. And then you give them that thing that they've always wanted. And then you kind of get resolution. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good explanation. So. Why don't you tell us about your, your derivative, the way that you're doing it? Because you've been doing some really intense work these last couple of weeks. I've been doing some really intense work. First of all, IFS is not for the faint of heart because what I've come to understand is that when you have clusters, which is just like a group of a lot of different exiles that kind of share in a same theme or emotional wound or something that if you don't unblend all the exiles, it's going to like, it's like opening a Pandora's box. Yeah. It's like, you have to, it's like, I, I would have to like set aside time and be like, I'm going to address this cluster today and I'm going to fucking get it done. Because if I didn't, what I was finding is if like I started opening a cluster on Monday and I didn't finish going through all the exiles until Friday, that basically Tuesday through Thursday was an emotional train wreck. Yeah. Cause they were somehow, it's like somehow I opened this box and they were running the show. I learned through trial and error that like I couldn't just address one exile at a time. What I realized was that I had to address a cluster. I had to address everyone in the cluster as soon as possible. Yeah. Because otherwise I was fucking screwed emotionally. Like I just, I, I can't even tell you how many times I would like cry that week or yeah. be upset. And like I called Christina one time being like, what the fuck is this IFS you taught me? It doesn't fucking work. I hate it. I'm miserable. I've never been more miserable. She's like, that's proof that it's working. <laughs> so it's hard, but it's great. So I want to say how I've been doing it. If you're willing to do the steps, I think it's extremely effective. I incorporate the Silva mind control method to put myself in alpha. I use IFS to go through the clusters. I use muscle testing to identify the clusters. And then I use Ho'oponopono at the end to seal the deal. So my method is such. I use muscle testing, which we've talked about how to use muscle testing in other episodes. And I will link a video in the show notes of different ways you can do it. But basically, you can identify a yes and a no in your system. So either, you know, you put your two fingers as if they were like a rings, like a chain around each other. And you say, my name is your name and you pull and it it won't break. And then you say, my name is George or pick a name. That's not your name. And then it will break. So that's one way. Another way is doing like your middle finger on top of your pointer finger and you push them together. And when you say, my name is Anna, you get a strong, firm, 
response from the index finger. And if you say, my name is George, it weakens. Another way you can do it is a pendulum. You get a pendulum. You're like, this is a yes. And this is a no. When it swings clockwise, it's a yes. When it's counterclockwise, it's a no, or however you want to identify it. Our shaman actually taught my nine-year-old a really good system, which is you imagine a light going down from the center of your skull down into your pelvic floor. You imagine a being of light and you say, my name is whatever. And then you say, my name is George. And the light will do something different. And for every person, it's different. So for me, when I say a truth, my light stands firm. But when I say a lie, my light will vibrate. Yeah. Whereas with my daughter, when she does it, when she says the truth, her light glows brighter. And when she says a lie, the light breaks and doesn't hit the pelvic floor. So like different people will have a different response to what the light is doing, but you'll notice firmly that when you say yes, when you say a truth, it does one thing. When you say a lie, it does another. So basically you just need to find a binary system to get a yes and a no. Yep. So then what I'll, what I do, what I did is using my binary system of getting a yes and no, I just asked, okay, how many blah, blah, blah? What is the name of blah, blah, blah? And I went through them. So I, I designated four different things. Number one were the main drivers. Number two were the sub drivers. The third was the, the third group was the third tier. And the fourth group was the fourth tier. So in the group, the first group. Yeah. Because just, just to kind of explain parts have parts have parts have parts, which is confusing because what we're talking about in this particular case is that Anna has basically a primary group that is, is the strongest in terms of its impact. And then she has a secondary, a tertiary and a quaternary group that all are, have lesser that are actually more, there are more of them, right? But there's more of, it's like, as the group's Go, get further, like in the first group, it's actually smaller and the exiles are less. What I asked for when I asked my higher consciousness about this with the yes and no was who are the main drivers, meaning which parts are the most responsible for my personality mm-hmm. and my day-to-day interactions with the world and life itself. Yep. Because I didn't want to be working with an exile who was two years old she, and she was upset because her diaper was dirty when like that has almost no influence on my life. I wanted to cut the chase and I wanted to get to the parts of me that are the most influential. Yeah. So I went to the main drivers and in there I had four clusters. I had an abandonment wound cluster, a betrayal wound cluster, which was interesting because I didn't know betrayal was a primary driver. Yep. It was. I had a cluster that I called Miss Safety. It was Mm -hmm. all about being safe, protecting me, keeping me fed, keeping me housed, you know, stuff like that. Right. And then I had a cluster called Mother Teresa, which was all about me doing what I thought was morally correct and coming across as morally correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then within each of those, they had different exiles. So they had anywhere from four to 16 exiles. If you're neurodivergent, you might have a hundred exiles in there. And you know, I, I, I don't know. I think for everyone it's different, but in my case, I had four to 16 different exiles in those groups. Right. 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 So, yeah. So, and also just to kind of like align with our language too, like I would call a pod, a pod is basically like an exile and its protector. So it's the smaller group, right? So it's kind of like the garlic clove, like the single, okay. the single thing. Whereas a cluster is a group of, is, is a bunch of pods. Okay. So that, that's right? correct. Right. Yeah. So my abandonment wound had, for example, 16 pods. Yeah. And then each pod had an exile attached within exactly. it. Exactly. So for example, when I did my abandonment wound, it took me like two weeks, right? So that was, I had to identify and talk with 16 different exiles within them and their corresponding managers and firefighters. Right. 16 different pods. Right. Right. 16 different pods. Okay. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So then in my secondary group or what I was calling the sub drivers, 
I had eight clusters and then each of those eight clusters had anywhere from, you know, three to 26 pods. Wow. Yeah. And, and actually they all were between three and 10, but my dragon, my dragon, who is my PMDD, if you listen to the show, she had 26. Oh my God. Pods. She had 26 pods. Holy okay. shit. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then as I went further and further and I'm still not done in my third and fourth tier, my third tier has 36 clusters. So you, and each one of those clusters has anywhere from like one to 50 pods. Holy shit. And then in my fourth tier, I have 56 clusters. And again, anywhere from a hundred to, to one pods. Right. So it's a lot, a lot, a lot to work with. And that's why when I set this up and asked my questions, my yes and no questions, I wanted to start with the main, most influential drivers first, because I did not want to, like I said, start talking to a part of me that no offense to that part has very small influence or very small triggers or whatever. Yep. So that's, that's how I did it. Okay. That's how I identified them. Do you want me to talk now about what I, how I approach it? Yes, please. Okay. So that's how I identified them. And then the reason why this work is so fucking important is if you've been listening to the show, then you know, I have a condition called PMDD, which means that in the week before my period and like the three days before my period, I have severe, severe PMS. If you go on the DSM and you look at the diagnosis criteria, I have every single one. I have migraines. I have insomnia. I have horrible cramps. I have depression, sometimes with suicidal ideation, triggered by everything. I can go into rage. Like it's three days of absolute fucking hell. And as I've explained it to my best friends, it's like there's a marching band coming into town and it's a three-day marching band to announce the arrival of my period, right? Yeah. And the last three cycles, I don't, and I still don't know if it's my new diet or this work. And I feel like it's both. And that's why I feel like it's so important because it's both. The last three cycles, I was actually surprised. There was no marching band. There was no insomnia. There was a mild headache. There was like three hours of moodiness, but absolutely like if you think of my symptoms reduced by 99%. And I swear it's because of this IFS work. And I think it's also my diet. Yeah. But it was the most, most, most obvious one after I did the IFS with the diet. So that's that's why I want to say why this is so important because it's just like life changing. Okay. Yeah, it really is. So this is the way that I did it. Okay. So this is the way I did it. Let's say that I took a cluster and within that cluster, they had a pod. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. So in my Main drivers, I had four different clusters. One Mm -hmm. of those was an abandonment wound. And within the abandonment wound, I had 16 different pods. I would put myself into alpha using the Silva mind control, which is for me, I would close my eyes. I would do three, 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 two, 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 one, one, one to put myself into alpha, which is basically something that you can train yourself to do there are multiple methods for how to put yourself into alpha. We have a whole episode on it called trance and it will link that in the show notes, but basically I put myself into alpha so mm-hmm. I could be really calm and relaxed and really hear the answers. And then I would go through. So for the abandonment wound cluster, which was a main driver, for example, there were 16 pods. So for the first one, I bring up my first, I said, okay, I'm going to talk to my first pod. Now I would address the managers and firefighters first. Yep. Then I would go to the exile. So for the exile, then I would say, are you a past life exile? Are you an emotional exile? Or are you a personal exile? If it was a past life exile, I would ask the question, do I need to know what kind of past life this was to move on? And the majority of the time it was a no. Like I didn't have to know the past life. If I was a yes, I'd ask questions to get an idea or being in an alpha state, I would simply just let a vision come to my mind and I could see it. 
I would ask if it was emotional exile. And if it was, I would go through different emotions. Usually I could feel it. I could feel what the emotion was. Right. And I could say, okay, are you jealousy? And, right. and then it was just a broad emotion that was just encompassing just the collective unconscious. And then if it was a personal one, I had to say, okay, well, how old are you? And then mm-hmm. I could narrow it down. Oh, it was when Anna was four. Oh, well, what happened? And I could get the idea of the story and why I was exiled. So basically, once I would know what the identity was of the exile, I could then figure out what it needed. So I would say, I'd ask this question, are you ready to go to like our oasis, you know, I called it the hill. Christina calls it a beach house. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone has their own special place. And I'd say, you know, where are you ready to go? And if they would say, yes, I'm ready to go. Like, I don't need a new job. I don't need any clarification. I'm just fucking ready to go to paradise. I'd be like, let's go. But 99% of the time they wanted something first. So then I would have to figure out like, what do they want? And usually knowing this, their background, like what their emotion was or whatever, I would know what they wanted. Yeah. So like within the abandonment wound, for example, one was an emotional one and it was a, we, we called it the tiger because what does a tiger do? She is a loner and she wants to give birth and be attached to her children and then have no responsibility. So there was an exile of me. There was a emotional part of me that actually wanted to be completely untethered and free. So I gave the tiger her own reservation of land so she could roam free and not have to take care of anyone but herself, right? Yep. I- ironically, that was in my abandonment wound cluster. Right. Which is ironic. And then, you know, I had Matt, I had one called Madam fucking secretary who was like constantly keeping track of like all the people who ever abandoned me and, you know, and this and that and this and that. And I basically gave them whatever they wanted. And then once they were quote unquote in paradise, I would have everyone who was already in paradise do Ho'oponopono to the new guest yep. and then have the new guest do Ho'opono back. And that way I feel like my parts became more in harmony with each other. And it's still a process. Like I still have more to go, but that's been what I've been doing. That's awesome. That's very comprehensive. (laughs) Is it a little too much? Too many details? No, I just think it's so fascinating because if anyone remembers the primal wounds and like how Anna and I went about them, we've like switched because in the primal wounds, for anybody who can remember this, Anna was just like, whatever one comes up, is the next one I'm going to do, right? So you started an abandonment and then you're like, you kind, you kind of just like went around all of them. Whereas I was like, no, these are shadow chakras and I need to go into my body. So I have to start with injustice. I have to go to rejection. I have to go to betrayal and then abandonment and then humiliation. And I was very systematic about the way that I did it. Whereas you were just like, hey, whatever lums up, but whatever comes up, right? right? And so now you're being very systematic about addressing your parts and I'm taking a very opposite approach, right? Really? Yes. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very systematic because I'm like, if I'm going to do this work, which is a lot of work, I want to get the most bang for my buck. Yeah. I'm mildly convinced that parts are a lot more than we think that they are. Like, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't, like, intuitively, I can't quite get to it. Like, I just know it's not mine yet. Like, it's not mine to know yet, if that makes sense. But like, I just feel like, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because like, it kind of explains why I'm taking a, a, like a less systematic approach, but I just, there's a part of me that's like, if if I see the world that like, we have this self and this, what I would call like an oversoul, right? 
we have this oversoul and then we have all these simultaneous lives that are happening all the time. And then those simultaneous lives all have parts. I'm like, these have got to be connected somehow. There's got to be something else going on. So I like, there's a part of me that thinks that there's something really magic going on here. So I'm like kind of letting my curiosity lead the way. Cause when I first started IFS, when I was first doing all the work, I was very systematic about it. I was like, I, I did it exactly kind of how I described it in the episode in 320, but like to kind of reiterate that is that I would be like, oh, okay, something's coming up right now. I'm having some sort of emotional reaction. What part right now is needing my attention? And then I would talk to that part. I would identify whether or not they were a manager or a firefighter. And then I would usually ask them to step aside so that if they were willing to, and if they could trust me, I would talk to them and basically convince them to step aside. And then I would go to the next protector. And almost always I had to deal with and ask all the protectors around a certain exile to stand to the side. And then once that had happened, then I could go into the exile. I could recover the exile. And then I would always go back to those parts who had stepped aside. And then I would be like, all right, can you trust me now? Can you trust, do you trust that I am capable of leading and then they're like, yeah, now I trust that you're capable of leading. And then they would go and then they would be relinquished of whatever they were doing. Right. And as I've gotten into it, I've found a lot of really interesting things. Like I have this one cluster around this past life that has like, it's so fucking big. It's from like 1537. And wait, what? It's like 1,537, 1537, the year 1537. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, it's from the year. It's like a past life cluster. That's literally affecting so much of my time now. Right. And so when I was first doing that exploration, I would, I would kind of be like, who wants, who wants to be addressed today? Right. I would just kind of try and find somebody. Right. Cause it was like a new process and I was so interested. So, so first it was, okay, what's, what's really urgent and I need and to you address would do it. The muscle testing. And I would do the muscle testing. So I get, well, for me with my psychic state, like I would do the muscle testing always to confirm, but I usually would get the answer first and then confirm with the muscle testing. Okay. It's something I learned with talking to nature spirits that like, it's always a good idea to confirm. And as a little aside, my muscle testing, i basically made a contract with my body that my muscle testing only ever asks myself to answer yes or no. Do you know what I'm saying? Why? Because you don't want angels talking? Because I don't want parts. Oh. I don't I want see. my parts answering yes or no. Interesting. So that may or may not resonate for you, but for me, it was just a nice little peace of mind that I was just like, and I basically was just like, I now make a contract with myself that myself, unblended from all parts, will answer all my muscle testing questions. Anyway, so. First kin into this, what is the emergency? Second was, I'm just going to explore the different lifestyles and the different, you know, the different, different parts that were coming up that I was interested in. And then I, now what I'm doing is I'm actually spending a lot of time observing my parts as they come out. I'm so you're doing it a totally different way than me. Yeah. I'm really observing it because my injustice cluster, like I, I'm, I'm aligning with you in the sense that like, I recognize that there are these clusters that have these pods and sometimes those pods will represent a lot of different things. So I had, I had this one cluster, this massive cluster that I unpacked and it had a misandry pod and it had a misogyny pod and it had like all these different themes within the pods themselves and it kind of went 
all over the place, like in terms of like having to, to kind of deconstruct that, right? Because everything had its, so in the similar way that you were saying, is it an emotional, is it a past life, is it a personal, mine had themes, right? Well, like what kind of themes? Um, like, like misandry, like man-hating. Okay. Right. So Miss Andre was one of them. Um, there was another one who was always try, the, the person who's always trying to pretend like everything's under control, which is one of the ones that we dealt with in the bonus last season and things along those lines. So the reason that at this point I'm like sitting in my abandonment wound, like as soon as I started getting into my abandonment wound cluster, things started getting intense. And again, like all of them were just like, and they just, and that's when you got that totally terrible week. Like I had that totally terrible week and I was like trying to uncover everything and I was trying to do it urgently, but I was really busy and things were crazy. But like when they give me time and space to be able to like get to know them and slowly see them appear in my life, I'm finding it's like a much more gentle way of doing it. Right. Like sometimes it gets urgent when I got into that abandonment cluster, it was urgent and I needed to get into everything. But my injustice cluster is very patient. It is willing to sit there and tell me every fucking thing that anyone's ever done wrong or why I'm not supposed to do this. And it's like, I got all the time in the world. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fuck up your day. Cause I already have, you know, kind of a lot of control. So to kind of summarize what I'm saying, I've been taking a more gentle approach to, to kind of say, I'm going to get to you and to kind of try and to, to kind of get rid of the sense of urgency and emergency that can really like fuck with your day and just kind of be like, I'm going to get to know you. And then as we get to know each other, then it's like a slow, it's basically a slow process of building trust with the parts, the protectors in particular, so that the protectors will trust me and, and be like, oh, okay, I get this. This is okay. I can move forward. So Interesting. I think the fact that both of our methods are so opposite is probably a testimony to the fact that this work works and you find a system that works for you. Yeah. Or find a therapist who has a system that works for you too, if yeah. that's what you choose to do. Right, right, right. I think if there were any hallmarks to what we really need to know about this is on the pod level, don't stop when you get to the pod level for sure. Right. In the sense of like, when you're dealing with a particular exile, address every single protector. Like if you're going to find a stopping point and you have to stop, do not stop in the middle of a pod. Right. And, yeah. And then also if you're in the middle of a cluster, you let everyone, all the pods know, look, I got, I got to go cook dinner. Exactly. <laughs> I got to go to work. I will get back to you. And sometimes it was even like, I had to tell them, look, tomorrow on my morning walk, I'm going to get to you. I promise I will get to you. I will walk as long as I need you to get to all of you. But like, just give me some peace until then. Like, please just get on the back burner. Like you've been for the last X amount of years. Yeah. Please do that. Cause, cause what I was finding is that I'd open a cluster and I couldn't, I didn't get through them all. And I had hell to pay. Yeah. Because they're like, we're finally being heard. Hello, we want this. We want that. That's it. And in and, and the book, he calls that taking the mountain walk. And in taking the mountain walk, you're like, hey, guys, I know that you need to be heard. And I need you to unblend from me because I'm going to take a walk. And when I get back, I will still be here for you. I'm still here. So he, call, he it's like a technique. It's called taking the mountain walk. Oh, wow. So. And, and one thing I want to add to this, which is just, I think, beautiful evidence is that when yeah. they've done studies on people with dissociative identity disorder, they found that like when they're in different parts 
AKA personalities that like one will have diabetes, one will have be nearsighted, one will be farsighted. Like there is scientific evidence to say that there are body changes that take place when different parts are running the show. And while we might not have dissociative identity disorder, we do have these parts in us and they are influencing us. So maybe my hormonal changes happen because all my dragon pods in that cluster of dragon were, were finally unblended and stopped being so pissed. And it had a physiological change on my body. Yeah. Yeah. Cause ultimately, you know, in order to gain the trust of your parts to be able to unblend and to step back the self, like I said, the self is totally capable of, of doing an amazing job of leading this, but the self also has to keep its promises. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I can, want me to give you an example of that. Like, yeah. Sometimes some of my parts will be like, when I'm, when I'm taking my exiles back to paradise, I'll be like, so what do you want? And so many times they're like, I just want a megaphone because I want that when I'm feeling my feeling, my important feeling, that you actually hear me. And what's really interesting is I'll give certain ones that ask for it, their megaphone and like I'll be going about my day and like, for example, someone did something that disappointed me and I heard, I heard a voice go, I'm disappointed. And I remember that I had a disappointment at exile that had asked for a megaphone. And it was, yeah. and I said, what, okay. I said, okay, I heard you. I heard you. I heard you among like everybody. Like I heard you, you know, you're disappointed. Let's just sit with that feeling of disappointment. And I just sat there with that part of me and we just felt disappointed. And then we felt sad and we just sat there and felt it. Yep. And there, I can't explain it, but it was like, all the things my firefighters and managers would normally do to avoid disappointment or push it away or take revenge on the person who disappointed me. It was like, I was able just to see clearly I was disappointed and the person who disappointed me doesn't, I don't need to punish them for making me feel like this, you know? Yeah, I do. So I do. What about you? Like what is some obvious things that you've noticed? Sometimes I have a tendency to be very fast with my processing, right? Or just to try and go through things just to kind of get it done because I have such a busy life and I can't necessarily fit it in. And I think going slowly has gained the trust. I think every, all my parts that are, are still blended or still present and like, you know, waiting to be processed are trusting me as the self. Yeah. It gets easier. I should also say that like, as I got to my secondary group, my tertiary group, I'm not at the portrait one yet it gets faster and easier because they're like oh she knows what she's doing yeah well i'll end with my quotes as i love my quotes this one is from ralph de la rosa and it's an ifs quote there is a plurality to our being we are one heart with many parts we are one psyche holding many minds and many psychologies this opens doors and they are doors that urgently need opening well we are not responsible for the conditioning that's brought us where we are now we are indeed accountable for what we do with it. Brilliant. The end. In summary, what we want you to know is that IFS is an incredibly powerful tool that you can use for what you're doing with the work, for helping you process everything that is going on in your life. Most importantly, of course, as we call and we say there's nothing to fix, this can be either an ex- you know an, a, a way of getting to know yourself better, a way of loving yourself, as Anna said, as a way to have different pieces of self-love. And it's also an opportunity for you to recognize how much your subconscious can really be running the show, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. For me, I feel like, you know, it's about making peace with yourself in a lot of ways. Like I feel mm. like by doing Ho'oponopono within all my parts to each other, I'm like closing rifts that have been going on for years between me and parts of myself, like parts of myself that got upset for being exiled, you know, parts of myself that were at war. You know, we talk so much about the drama triangle and the primal wounds and like the drama triangle in essence is like your parts at war with each other. And I feel like this work is really helping to harmonize all my parts. So I'm less likely to have to play the victim because I feel like I have a whole support system now. Like we're all getting along in here now, at least the ones that I've un unblended, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's like a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful tool to like address your primal wounds, address the drama triangle and address all the different stories we have about ourselves. Right. So, right. And, and then it, and then ironically and fittingly enough, it all comes back to how Ho'oponopono for me, which is like, I'm loving my different parts. I'm forgiving my different parts. I'm thanking my different parts. And we're all kind of recognizing like we've been doing the best that we can with the information that we've had and we've done some shitty things to each other Yeah. and we've, we're letting that go and moving forward together. And it feels really good. Like I'm feeling more whole. Like even my husband said, he's like, I've noticed since you started doing IFS that you're just more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's a, that's an absolutely amazing testimony towards it, right? And I think the thing is, is that we emphasize IFS because, you know, it, it's a system that it's it's familiar. Everybody, you know, there's people are getting to know more and more about it. It's kind of in vogue, you could say, in the therapy world. But at the same time, you know, if you're finding that it doesn't necessarily work for you. I have used the the primary interest from NLP. So if you go all the way back to season one and you talk about information sorters, people sorters, place sorters, things like that, I've also used that derivative of IFS. So I've used it as buildings. Like what do you mean? Like buildings in people's consciousness, right? So they'll find that a building kind of represents a pod, right? And that oh, building- Oh, they're a place sorter. They're a place sorter. Then I can. Uh, then I'm like, there's a building inside your psyche right now that represents this. It houses all these different pods. Yeah, okay. yeah, but you don't even use it as if it's. You don't even necessarily have to bring people into it, right? In some ways, we use people because it's like, oh, well, if my parts are people, then they they can oh, have all the complexity. Oh, will interpret it as places inside them. I have a sad place. I have an abandonment place. Exactly. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. Well, one more thing I want to add, like in conclusion to this work is not only is it an amazing tool for yourself, I feel like it really helps with interpersonal skills because for example, I used to, to have road rage now that I've moved out of Atlanta, it's like a little bit easier, but like, I definitely used to have this like kind of unembodied, like I'm just angry at a person. Right. And so recognizing that there are no bad parts and recognizing that you know, we're just living in a kind of a part led society, like all of us are like r being able to, to, to say, Oh, that's just a part. I'm just reacting to a part. Like I don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to people. Right. Like I can just say that's a part and that's a part of me like that. that it just allows me to relate you better mean like to having, people. Like basically the road rage is directed at a person and then you can say, well, I'm just mad at their part. Like someone was doing something that I found really annoying and I was able to be like, that's a part of this person that is still five years old and still needs attention. And I was able to be like, I don't necessarily like that part, but I love this person. There you go. All right. Thanks, y'all. 
We hope that y'all have enjoyed this revisiting of internal family systems. Be sure to input your stories. Tell us your stories about how you've dealt with the primal wounds, how you've learned, what setbacks you've had. We would love to be able to hear your stories and then possibly post them on our future Primal Wounds series that is upcoming. Submit to this.spiritual.fix at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Bye. And remember... Humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.